Guys, the Creekcast is David here reviewing another win for Port Adelaide. Suddenly we can't stop winning. Losing's a distant memory. It's fucking awesome, eh? I'm fucking loving it. All right, let's get into the review. But first, you know what time it is. We're getting we're getting used to this. Let's fucking go. Get used to playing that song every fucking week. Let's go. That's that's the plan now, Port Adelaide. Like uh, everything, you know, premierships, Brownlows, whatever, team success. No, I just we just need this little guy that does the Cree cast too. We had to play J Rock's win every week, which means we'll win premierships if that happens. Um, but yeah, no, another wonderful, wonderful win for Port Adelaide this weekend. Um, a weird one. It's going to be a weird one to review for me, I think, because. It was very uh, professional, very professional job done. Um, very easy. Uh, I don't think we got out of second. Yeah, the first quarter. Well, I guess we just get dive right into the first and last quarter. We were in, you know, third to fourth gear, but we still there's a confidence to our game that's really starting to ooze now. Um, we saw it. Um, obviously, the West Coast game was a great start, great start to the winning, um, getting a, a nice, easy West Coast. Didn't know that we were in just a terrible spot and it was a good chance for us to get our first win on the board in and, and, and very comfortable fashion. Good percentage booster and all that. St. Kilda was grinded out. Western Bulldogs on a Friday night was a real tough one to win against a good, good quality side, even if they were missing a few, uh, But which, by the way, media, we were missing a few that night too. Um, but then this one was just provided us um, an opportunity to kind of show what a good team, a good team, because this is the thing about the AFL. When you're a good team, you're meant to beat up the bad teams, and we did that against North Melbourne. Um, and you know, and I, like I said, I think we did it without um, really hitting top gear. And even those those periods where we were, um, you know, first quarter we kicked six goals to one, last quarter we kicked, we kicked seven goals to one, um, quarters two and three we kicked two goals each. Um, so we just hold 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 steady I guess you know hold the line um in those quarters without really being tested in any great fashion um but in those first and last quarters we we really um you know kind of just moved the ball well um you know kind of you know North Melbourne came to play um in the best way that North Melbourne can do I guess and as that's I'm not meaning that in any disrespect it's just they they're just in such a different place than us that they them coming to play is just trying to learn what they are um, who they are, um, what what way to play, and c- just trying to find their identity. So that's where they are. Whereas we know the team that we can be when we're at our best, and so we're kind of just at, at completely different levels in in where we are. And obviously, our position at the start of the year was just a, a complete um, aberration as to compared to where we wanted to be. So you know, just North Melbourne, the pressure was okay early on, and we we kicked a couple of that. We still got our goals early. Um, and that first goal was very reminiscent to our first goal against the Dogs last week, actually. And um, similarly, I think it's my player. I think it was actually the player of the day on the Port Adelaide socials as well. That first goal, because I think it was Finlayson. Um, kind of, it's um, Robbie Gray really works the contest well, and Finlayson then taps it on who uh, um, and onto into the path of Gray, I think, and then he he handles across to Georgiades, who just um, you know just. Uh, 
nails the goal on the run from a slight angle and a decent angle actually on the you know it's not easy well maybe for an AFL player it's easy, easier than it is for me and when I'm running around with my beer gut and trying to slot them from 20 meters out and struggling um but no uh, I'm not that bad um I might be who knows um no one will ever see so you just have to uh, just have to imagine that one um but yeah it was just a really good play and it was just it's kind of uh, reminiscent of the, just the oozing confidence that was suddenly found um, and, and our forward line dynamics really starting to pick up and we've got such an athletic mobile set of tools um, who kind of yeah, was really starting to work with their instinct. Like I said last week, um, you know, George Yates a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Dude, does he need a spell? And I realized just kind of watching whatever, like being at the Western Bulldogs game really showed me like, you know, there's a difference. It, can't, the cameras really don't just, you know, it's impossible for TV to kind of show you everything. But when you're at the game, you kind of see the off-the-ball movement a little bit and stuff like that. And you just see what George Yardy's doing. He's picking up his disposals. And last week, you know, his stat line this week was very similar to what it was against the Dogs, except he kicked goals this week instead of he kicked the O goals four. And, you know, this week he kicked his three goals. I think, did he kick three goals one? So it might have been the same scoring shots, just different conversion. Um, and I think very similar disposals. I think against the Dogs, he had 14. This week, he had 13, um, nine marks, eight or nine marks possibly this week as well. Just really, and he was taking marks down on the, like on the half-back flank, you know, gives moving up the field, taking marks and helping set up the attack from the half-back as well. So he's, he's very mobile and moving around. So, you know, a great game from him. And, um, you know, Marshall kicks his three and just is incredible as well. And Finlayson gets two quality goals as well. Eight goals between your three key forwards is going to be just going to go such a long way towards a great win. And I think we had a spread of nine goal kickers in total. So, um, you know, a couple from a couple from like Ollie, uh, Motlop stepping up with some, Pau Pepper, you know, it's just such a good spread of goal kickers. Um, but, yeah, um, just this game was just one. I, I You always, you know, on paper, you could say it's one. Um, early on in the game. I don't think we expected anything less than um, a comfortable win, which I, I detailed in my preview last week um, that I kind of I had a look at the betting lines and kind of thought about where I thought it was and I was like at least a 45-point win. Otherwise, I'm, under that, I think it just should, um, maybe we've let, let, let a chance slip and maybe we're not quite where we need to be because we should be putting away a team that's in this form away. Uh, I think the betting line was 37.5, um, at least when I checked it a, a couple of days before the game. Um, and for a while, it looked like we may not even match the betting line, let alone my 45-point buffer that I had. Um, but yeah, and we never – I don't think we were ever going to be headed either. That's the weird weird place that this game was. And Kangaroos kind of we held steady with them for a couple of quarters after that. Well, I mean, we won it in the first quarter. You know, six goals to one first quarter, up by 30 points um, in the first quarter. Game was done there. The Kangaroos just do not have the firepower to – pile on a, a, like six unanswered goals to get in front of this Port Adelaide team. And uh, and that's kind of what it looked like in that second and third quarter. We were, we were in second gear, coasting a little bit, you know, we were, and it certainly isn't, you never coast in an AFL game, um, but as close to coasting as possible because I think um, we just, we're playing, we're playing decent footy, just not um, not putting the pressure on them. They, they were, they were, and they were trying. They just don't have the ability to actually key to like string together a, a consistent run of um, decisive and incisive kind of cutthroat plays to cut through and, and set up um, quality opportunities for goal. It's just the kangaroos do not have that in abundance. They can find their way to goal, but it's a struggle. So we were never, we were never looking like we we're going to be headed in that way. 
and we just kind of coasted through. And then once they kind of put their cue in there, and it almost, it almost seemed like it was by design. That, but once we were kind of just waiting for the kangaroos to just go, you know, their shoulders to drop, their heads to drop a little bit, just the cue, you know, kind of that um, metaphorical cue in the rack moment where we could be okay. Well, we <laughs> they've now it's, it's now done. They're done. We can pile on seven goals without having to try too hard. And it kind of felt like that. And to get away with a 69-point win. Um, and, you know, I keep saying, you know, without trying to – we know that these guys try hard and that, and that it's a tough game to play regardless of the level of the game. But this is not this is not the, um, you know, 89 grand final or, you know, whatever. This is, you know, it's just that there wasn't much on the line um, apart from just for Port, get a good win and get out of there unscathed, which we seem to have done. Um, Orazio was not needed, but despite – Dermot Brereton weirdly just constantly going, oh, it'd be good if Port could get 30 or 40 minutes into Arazio. And, you know, in the last quarter, oh, they should really think about getting that. That's not how the medical sub work, just Dermy. <laughs> like, just shut up. Um, but, you know, they, and it was good that we didn't need to Arazio, but he got to go on that. Like I said in my review preview last week, he got to get get around the kind of game. He got to, got to get around the game day environment again um, after being out with injury for so long. So um, job done in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I'm really probably the most impressive thing is that we did after you know two impressive things one we started the started the game great six goals to one the first quarter you've kind of got one hand on the win on the you know you've got one hand on the four points already at that point um excuse me I quite love stout it's stout season um and then you know the this the quarters that we coasted through would you know it's, it'd be nice to go just be winning you know kicking two goals more every quarter but you know the footy's like every game that is played around the world that it, particularly team ball sports like this basketball AFL um, soccer it, it, ga- games are often about mom- um, there's very rarely games that are complete domination from start to finish I think I remember there was a Liverpool game a few weeks ago. Um, where they might have was it against Everton too, um, which is hilarious. Um, but they, I think they had like eighty five percent possession. Like they had some insane possession stat for the match, which broke the record. And it was, <laughs> but it, it just doesn't happen that often. And a lot of games, um, they kind of exist in this way, and like a boxing bout that it's it's punches thrown back and forth, and and moments and and periods of dom. Um, domination and periods of not submission but just um defense where you're just kind of taking a breather um you know and the and you kind of the other team's having a crack as well a little bit more at that moment so you kind of go you pick your moments um you know to to and it's not like it's not like you would like to dominate but it's just it's just the natural rhythm of the games and sports it just doesn't allow for that and the and the whole idea of being a good team is that you punch back harder when you get the chance to punch and that's what Port did in this game. You know, that's what, uh, you know, you look at the last year's grand final, for example, you know, it was such a game of ebbs and flows, like, oh, not ebbs and flows, it was swings and roundabouts. You know, one team would kick four goals in a row, the next one would kick five, next one would kick six, and then, you know, eventually it was um, Melbourne kicking, what, 11 goals to end the game. Um, that was probably the most extreme example of it, maybe, but um, otherwise, it's... Um, the sports are like that. So for us to have a great first quarter, and then when they um, had their, you know, kind of moments, we we never actually, we didn't lose a quarter. We, didn't, we kind of just coasted through those, look at the scoreworm, it's a very distinct 
um, steep rise for us in the first quarter. Then it just stays steady for two quarters and another steep rise for us in the last quarter. And that's what I think I like, the fact that we bookended this win with great quarters, um, which is going to go a long way to wins in any game. If you can bookend a game with great quarters and then in the middle just hold steady and kind of um, control the contest, it's, it's, it's a recipe for success 100% of the time. So... Um, Really impressed with that. Good start, which I know we've talked about slow starts plenty of times, but there was no slow starts to be seen here. And then to finish it off, we stomped on their throats at the end. And that's um, something we've uh, struggled to do at times, um, but we did that really, really well in this game. Um, seven goals to one in the last quarter, you would take that every, every fucking time. And again, it was it just wasn't that difficult. You know, we, we, we created turnovers, um, and it was and again. It's partly down to the Kangaroos just not being a good team. They kind of they're still struggling to find that rhythm and picking targets is more difficult for a team. Um, you know they, they're going to have more kicks to pick off and all that kind of stuff, and more chances to score off the turnover. But just because they're not a confident team, they're not running. They're 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 a clunky they're a clunky team rather than a, a smooth team, and that's going to create the opportunities for the turnover and those easy goals and. And there was just the switch offs, like whether whether it be Finlayson just dan- kind of wandering into the pocket um, to uh, when Butter, I think was it Butter or was it Finlayson? It I think it was Finlayson that took the mark. And, you know, just players were just, you know, the North Melbourne players were kind of switched off and, and we were switched on and finding just wandering into space. And whether it be, you know, the uh, the Robbie Gray handball over the top to Dersman running into the goal square, just really easy kind of stuff like that. And that's, that's what a good team does is you keep. You know, you keep competing at a level that um, will allow you the chance to score. And it's again, like I said, we didn't get it. We didn't need to get into top gear. We just kept playing um, and backing in our instincts and our skills. And and again, just um, good eyes inside fifty, um, which has been a complete turnaround from the start of the year. And, and even you know, issues have been years past. Our eyes inside fifty are just that much better. And whether it's just the new forward line dynamic with. Um, you know, guys like Finlayson, who's um, an, you know, seems a real intelligent um, forward player, and um, and is um, you know, fleet of kind of fleet of mind, I guess. And Marshall is showing a lot of that this year as well. Whether it be obviously his ability to kick goals has been um, incredible this year, and one of the most accurate players in the entire competition, um, and kicking a decent bag for us every week at the moment. Um, but his his ability to um, to be involved in scores when when he's not the one kicking them himself, and then you know, obviously Georgiades is an athletic marvel as well. So we've just got these guys that are working really well inside forward and forward, and then you know Robbie Gray has come in and um, you know kind of put those early season injuries behind him. Uh, touch wood at the moment, and he's just um, he's playing at a level that we hadn't seen for a couple of years. Out he's back to his kind of you know that 2017, 18, 19, and you know just that that Robbie Gray that's uh, you know he's he's Looks quick. He, you know, he had twenty odd disposals, and he was in the middle a little bit this week again. And um, obviously, his forward line plays, forward fifty play, and um, just ability to work as opponent is uh, still unparalleled and one of the most underrated um, in the competition. Obviously, we re rate him, but he's still not rated well enough by um, the opposition fan at large sometimes. And but he's just in. You know, it's just so many um, real intelli- intelligent players involved in the forward line. Obviously, again, Rosie and Butters. Going into the middle has been as rejuvenated the mid midfield. You know, it's it's a build from within. Um, you know, we drafted these guys, and and the hope has always been these guys would run through the middle. And now we're finally seeing it for the first time at a sustained level. Um, and it's it's working a treat. We'll get to the stats in a little bit, but it's absolutely working a treat. Um, we were able to see a day 
um, and to talk about one stat, that Travis Boak had 13 disposals. Travis Boak had 13 disposals and we won by 69 points. Um, 69. Um, it's um, so incredible from... It's just incredible that we could have Travis Boak have that kind of day, which um, he's he's such a champion, an off day like that. And then he, you know, it's just an off day. It wasn't terrible. It's just not Travis Boak level that we, we're used to, but... He was able to have that day and we still win by almost 12 goals, you know, 11 and a half goals. So just incredible um, that we are now at that level that we can have, you know, Ollie Wines obviously led the way with the 32, but then, um, you know, it was Rosie and Butters and, and you know, Gray took a little bit of that load and, and Powell Pepper and Co. It's just, um, it's a really good place that we suddenly are finding ourselves, are starting to find ourselves in that we don't have to, you know, Travis Spoke can have a week off in a sense and uh, and not have it be, you know, not not have us look back and go, you know, well, how do we lose by 10 points to this shit side? Well, there we go. Travis Spoke at the end of the disposal. Was like, oh, God, we have to rely on him. If he doesn't get his 20 to 25, then we're going to lose. But no, we, we can see him get 13 disposals and still win by 69 points. So that's really important that we can now start to look at um, Travis Spoke as being um, the cherry on top rather than the necessary, you know, straw that stirs his drink, so to speak. He's a champion, and when and our season is going to live and die by still by him having the big performances. But in round eight, sorry, round nine. Let me do the math in my head real quick. In round nine of this season, in the year of our Lord, uh, our Lord um, Russell Ebert, uh, that we can see, um, you know, both have to you know have a quiet week and and still win the game. It's um it's good signs. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's not much more to say about the game, really, apart from um, uh, pretty good. Um, it was good to see. I think I saw us heard a stat in the um, – I'll get into the team stats and all that more in a moment. I'll take a quick break. But um, just one that really was good to hear. I think it was um, one of the guys in the commentary towards the end of the game was saying um, Burton, Cleary, and Aaliyah, um, they had decent disposal games and they, they were at 100%. I think Darcy Burton-Jones was at 94% as well. So they were getting a lot of the ball, bringing out of the back lines and operating pretty much at 100%. So that was really good to see. Good ball users coming out of the back lines is going to be is, is a big part of kind of the rejuvenation of our season and is going to be a big part of our season going forward if we're going to make a significant impact this year on the competition. So really good to hear that, like, you know, Aaliyah, there's Aaliyah, Burton and Cleary operating at 100% coming out of the back lines. Wonderful stuff. So I'll take a quick break and we'll dive into the stats real quick. And I'll... Going to um, end the episode, but you know, just quickly to keep you listening, if you, unless you start to tail off and get bored, uh, I'm going to have a quick um, look at the um, Indigenous guys and just talk about it, as well as um, really um, a massive story, personal story that came out about Jeremy Finlayson and his wife, and that his start to life in Adelaide was just um, it's something you need to hear about, and um, yeah, really, uh, oh, just massive respect for Jeremy and his wife Kelly and their family. So yeah, we'll talk about that at the end as well. Alrighty, so look at the shits. Um, so uh, just before I get into the overall team stuff, uh, just look, look at the top, you know, kind of the top disposal winners and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I mentioned Ollie Wines, obviously, it's 32. Rosie at 27, again, just continuing his just incredible run of form in the middle, um, you know, for this club and and showing that this is the future um, for for uh, Connor Rosie. So Zach Butters had 25 disposals as well. So kind of um, after last week, he was a bit quiet, um, you know, probably compared to the role he's playing. But, um, you know, had a he had a good week. Um, 
tough as nails as always, Zachy Butters. Um, Amon with 24, so he's really he's kind of um, you know, even though he didn't end up getting dropped, he's uh he's a uh, he's playing some pretty good footy since that kind of weird week there. Um, and Sam Pau Pepper again, um, most improved player for the year. Um, you know, I guess Todd Marshall's up there too, but um, Sam Pau Pepper's just he, he's suddenly become one of the he's the barometer really. If Pau Pepper's having a good game. Uh, for us uh, at the moment, we're going to be having a pretty good game ourselves. So uh, Burton, uh, I mentioned before, Burton and Jones and co, uh, he had 22. Willem Drew, 21 again. He's just an unsung hero in there. Uh, does the dirty work. Uh, Darcy Burton Jones with 20 again. I mentioned him before with the um, the uh, defensive stats and the guys coming out of defense and using the ball incredibly well. Uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, you know, Finlayson, uh, Georgiades and Marshall had... Uh, what are we looking at? The 32 disposals between them and about, I don't know, 20, 25 marks and just, um, they are, sorry, 20, 20 odd marks, but, um, and the eight goals. So the, your key forwards are picking up disposals, getting the marks and, and taking marks and getting, and kicking the goals. And that's just going to be massive for us. Uh, the other one to mention, and again, um, in his fifth game, and he's got a four and run, four and one record in his, he's got a really good winning percentage, this Ruckman, uh, Sam Hayes, he had 33 hitouts against Todd Goldstein. Now Todd Goldstein isn't quite the player he was a few years back, obviously, but he's a he's a he's a veteran campaigner, and we're seeing at the moment with like the way Paddy Ryder's playing um, at St Kilda, and obviously we know the, how good set Paddy Ryder is. Um, age does not weary a ruckman um, when they're playing. They they can still they, they kind of. I remember playing tennis with my old man um, years ago when I was younger, like in my teens, and we used to play tennis against these couple of. A couple of older blokes from up um, in, in the mid north where we lived. Um, just go out and play every week or two. You just have a hit. Um, and I and I, I'm just a shit tennis player. I just did it for a bit of fun. But these uh, these older blokes, they couldn't move around the court that well. But they 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 knew they their shots were just beautiful because they played tennis for fucking you know forty odd years and they were just good at. So what they lacked in some of their mobility at times, they made up for in just perfect shot making. And that's what older ruckmen are like. They because they. You know some of the little bits of the, the little bits of the athleticism that they've lost, um, they still make up for in just their their ruck, um, their uh, their their craft. But um, what what Hayes did with winning the hitouts and giving us um, first look again, you know, he's he's had a couple of games against some good good quality opponents now, and um and he's and he's turning in good performances, so he's really really starting to solidify his spot. And when Scott Lyce available again, it's going to be. We might, you might be waiting for Hayes to have a couple of bad games or get injured because we don't know if we can drop this guy in this kind of form, and that's great. But that's great um, conundrum to be in. It's un, you know it's unfortunate for a guy like Scooter, but um, it's just the way it is. You know, footy's footy's a form game, and sometimes even if you get unlucky with an injury, um, if a guy comes in and and takes over and plays good footy, then it's just how it is. But um, yeah, great great game again from Hazy. So. Yeah, um, otherwise, um, overall team stuff is uh, really just really good reading. It's just good fun. Um, we completely dominated the fuck out of this team. Um, disposals for the game, we were up by almost uh, about 80-odd, I think. 381 to 297. Um, obviously, just inside 50, 61 to 43. So, um, a bit, uh, about eight more inside 50s in our season average and um, just right on there for North Melbourne, which is unfortunate for them. Um, inside disposal efficiency again for the matcher at 75%, um, which is pretty similar to what we were last week. So we're just, um, we're finding that when we use the ball at a, at a rate of, you know, around 75%, we're going to be a pretty good chance at a win. Efficiency inside 50 was 57.4 as well. 
Um, so we're sort of seeing the season average slowly sneak up the last few weeks as well. Um, but yeah, using the ball inside 50 incredibly well the last, since we've started winning and and really started and really just changed the way we're, we're um, figuring things out uh, really with our inside 50 entries and whatnot. Hitouts for the match were 39 to 33. So 33 of those, of course, to uh, uh, Sammy Hayes, as mentioned. I think um, Goldstein had 27 himself. So it was kind of like, yeah, he, he won the battle um, to them. Uh, clearances, we won, uh, we were plus 11 in clearances, 44 to 33. Center clearances, 15 to 9. So um, a good effort there. And, um, you know, you know they, they were missing Jai Simkin, but, you know, Davies Unique is a pretty good, you know, we, we, we're meant to win these these kind of stats in a game against a team in this kind of situation, but it's still a good good to be, do- you, you want to, like, like the scoreboard and like the win itself, you want to dominate in all these statistical areas against a team like this and, and you know, kind of make you make you stand. Uh, you you're standing in the game at this t- at this moment, um, known. So, uh, possessions contested possessions were up um, plus. Fuck me, doing the math on the run here. Uh, plus thirty three contested possessions. So that's the one thing we've still been some of these games against the doggies and stuff. We're still slightly losing the contested possession, but we dominated the North Melbourne, um, as we should. The marks one. The marks is the one that I was really looking forward to getting to. Uh, Ninety-one to sixty-eight for the match, with twenty-two marks inside fifty to six. So their season season average seven point six. So they were just just under that, which is just again um, unfortunate for them where they are. Our season average is twelve point two now after this week, but the last two weeks I think we've got forty-three marks inside fifty between the last two weeks. So last week against the dogs, twenty-one marks inside fifty. I believe it was last week against the dogs. I know it was. Um, we had 21 marks inside 50, just really, really good effort and um, and just blowing because, uh, again, go back to that Melbourne game, three marks inside 50 for the entire match, just horrible. Last week, 21 against the Dogs and then this week, 22 uh, marks inside 50. So we're picking our targets, we're moving the ball around, we're just, we're just moving the ball better inside 50. We've got a better structure, um, better plans um, inside 50 and, and we're reaping the rewards. So... Um, you know, for the season total for the nine games, we've got 110 marks inside 50, and uh, 43 of those have come in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, and great, just incredible effort um, from the from the side there, and um, yeah, really impressed with it um, all around. Can't say much more than that. It, it was a 69 point win against um, you know a team that we should be beaten by that amount, but uh, we made sure of it. So. That's 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 all there really is to say about that. Um, we look forward to this week now um, at Geelong at GMHBA. Um, it's going to be a good test. They're only they're a game ahead of us inside the eight. They're in seventh, but um, you know, so game ahead and then some percentage as well. But um, we're right we're right there knocking on the door of the eight now. And um, depending on how things go this week, we could find ourselves in it. Take a take a, a win and some percentage and stuff like that. So we might just I think we'll just find ourselves. Even with a win, maybe just sitting just out um, on percentage, but um, that's where we want to be. Um, if we can be percentage outside the eight after this week, it's um, that'll be a really incredible result. It's going to be a tough one though. I'll, I'll preview that later in the week. Though. I won't get too much more into it now, but um, yeah, where uh, the, the form turnaround the last four weeks has been incredible, and um, you know, it's, I'm buzzing now. I'm really excited, really excited for the the differences we're seeing in this forward line, and um, and just the the. Revelation of Butters and Rosie and Co. Um, Rosie in particular going through midfield and just yeah, there's good vibes at the moment. So yeah, I'll take a quick break again now and uh, we'll just have a quick chat about the um, the Indigenous Guernsey and then of course I'll men- uh, have a chat little little quick mention uh, to uh, Finn Layson as well and his and his wife Kelly and their baby uh, so- Sophia Sophie I'm gonna I gotta get this right before I get there. Um, there we go. Good, do, 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 do. Sophia. There we go. Um, Kelly. 
Jeremy Finlayson Mason and his wife Kelly and Sophia. So I'll chat about them quickly at the end too. All right, so Port unveiled their 2022 uh, Indigenous Guernsey for the Sir Doug Nichols round that's playing out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, yesterday, it popped up on the socials and uh, it was it's in um, Lockie Jones has played a big part in uh, designing this uh, this this year and it's an incredible Guernsey. I'm really, really excited for this one. I've already got, got it on order. Uh, we'll see how long the port store take to get it to me this year. <laughs> but um, I, th- I thought about going just driving down, but fuel prices um, getting the free delivery on a on a postage one, even if it takes a couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> it feels like a much better idea rather than paying um, the price of a Guernsey just to drive down to Adelaide. Uh, we'll port Adelaide as it be. Um, yeah, so I've got it on order. I'm really excited to add it to the collection. But um, a wonderful Guernsey um, designed by Lockie Jones um, with a lot of love towards his... Um, uh, to his grandmother, um, who, and uh, like a really, really um, wonderful story behind it as well, and a story that um, you know it's 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 heartbreaking in the men- in the fact that it does have a lot to do with um, uh, the stolen generation part of our, our nation's history, which is just a fucking horrible thing, and um, you know it's <laughs> just read up on it if you don't if you don't know what the meaning the stolen generation essentially. If you, I guess, I don't know it's. I know we have some American listeners, so it's um, if you're not aware of it, stolen generation is essentially the white Australia policy to uh, um, uh, to just to put it in blunt terms. I think I've heard that I've heard the notion that well, it was used in some uh, some vocab back then. It was a breed the blackout, which was steal the steal the children of um, indigenous families and you know uh, bring them into white schools and just and and try to indoctrinate them into um white australia right and and take and take away their their culture and their lives and and literally steal them from their families you know it's it's a horror you know adam goods is that story adam goods is if you watch the uh adam goods documentary the australian dream and his backstory of his mum and and the things that his mum went through and her strength as well and and lockie jones's grandmother has obviously got this as well um, and this part of the Guernsey tells a story. It's um, so the, I'm just reading from this website now, so I don't get it wrong. But the, the Guernsey, the centerpiece of the Brolga, which is it's really I, I love the the Brolga because a lot of the and the indigenous Guernseys are a wonderful um, tribute to our our country's um, our country's actual um, uh, owners and inhabitants at the original the uh, original Australians. Um, it's the the Brolga is it's a different. It's a different look because you, a lot of the Guernseys have this really dynamic, vibrant arts. Um, but I love the Brolga kind of standing on its own in the front of the Guernsey. Um, have a look at the port website if you haven't seen it yet and see what I'm kind of waiting. But there's like we've got the V design with the um, teal um, and then the uh, other other accoutrements on there, um, which represent um, his Nana's journey um, as a member of the Stolen Generation from uh, Barulula. Uh, I apologise for my prob- probable. Uh, butchering of the spelling distribute on North York Peninsula, which of course is where um, you know um, Lockie Jones grew up, um, and then the teal symbols are represent the people who helped her along the way. Um, but um, the Brolga uh, is a it's a totem of the the people of Jones's grandmother and um, up in the Arnhem Land, and then the the back of the jersey with the Brolga in the final rest resting place of his grandmother. But it's just it's a really bold choice just having the Brolga kind of standing alone at the base of the jersey rather than having what some other jerseys might do which is just a lot of artwork around it it's um the v um taking in the design of those 
um, those in, that indigenous artwork into the V of the Guernsey, like our traditional V of our Guernsey, and then having the Brogue down below and not much else around it. I think it's a really bold and striking design. And, um, really impressed with it. Um, and it tells a story, and that's the most important thing when it comes to Sir Doug Nichols around. Is it like, we, look, we as um, you know consumers of Port Adelaide stuff, media and whatever, and then obviously being Port Adelaide fans, we love our Guernseys, and uh, if you're like me, you're a collector and... You love having something different for you, like um, as far as a collector and a Guernsey collector, it's um, a wonderful thing to be able to purchase and buy. But we've also got to acknowledge it and be really cognizant of the stories they tell and um, and the the reason for this round is acknowledgement and 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 um, you know holding up the the culture of um, our the the lands. Um, uh, the rightful owners of our lands is you know it's always has been and always will be Aboriginal land and. And these are the things to remember at least at this time when we're seeing these Guernseys. Not just um, take them in as the, as the beautiful thing it is. It is a wonderful Guernsey. It is a beautiful Guernsey, and and something that should be appreciated at an aesthetic level, but at a deeper level and a connection to the, you know, for people like me is just you know is a, one of many um, people here who are descendant from um, a mixture of fucking Irish and German and a whole fucking melting pot of. Um, people that get way too sunburnt here um my my ancestors were not meant to be here um but um, yeah it's it's you know for me people like me it's it's a you know i've it's taken a long journey to get to the point that i am in understanding the the deep the deep kind of roots of some of the things that have happened in this country and the stolen generation stuff and it's hard to hear and like i remember hearing that stolen generation stuff as a teenager it's like Wait, what? This isn't what we get told as a kid. <laughs> Australia Day and all that stuff is all meant. Is all it's all happy stuff. What are you talking about? And then you read more and you realize, you know, and it's just a lot more education can be can happen and still should happen. But um, these kind of um, even just having the Port Adelaide Football Club press release mention the stolen generation, all that kind of stuff in there is th- these kind of things are important because if you haven't, if you know what, don't know what it is. If there's a Port fan that doesn't know what it is and they see stolen generation there, hopefully that leads them to. Googling it, reading about it, you know, kind of understanding a little bit of the the history and the unfortunate. You know, you need to know the dark history of the country to um, appreciate the good parts of it as well, and and understand um, how we can bridge these gaps that are st- that still exist. So, yes, it's a Guernsey, and yes, it's Woody and all that kind of stuff. But it's um, there's a whole lot of deeper stuff that you can um, le- read and learn and understand about um, the wonderful. You know, there's so many wonderful Indigenous um, players and and people involved at the club. Um, who are now um, as well as in the past and will be in the future as well. So, um, yeah, and Lockie Jones has had his own journey to it and realising his Indigenous ancestry um, that he didn't realise it um, in his early years. And, yeah, and this this Guernsey is a really cool part of his journey as well and, and connecting to that in the, at a more deeper level. So really proud of Lockie. He's a good young player and obviously we've got great hopes for his future, but certainly as a human being and as a person, it's really... Um, He's doing great things already. Um, so yeah, um, the last thing to mention, uh, take a breath as I do it. But I'm looking at the photo right now. Jeremy Finlayson obviously is in the in the photo of the indigenous with his indi- he's got an indi- indigenous background as well. He's in the photo that was released with the Guernsey. Wow, I was not expecting um, to. So if anyone doesn't know, um, maybe I'll, I'll link. I'll put the article in the show notes. It is. It might be behind a paywall. So. I'll try to it's a fucking fifteen minute read of an article and it's um it's a it's it's a tough one to read it and it's it's obviously it's everything's fine at the moment. There's still an ongoing journey here, but basically it's um 
when Finlayson and uh, so Finlayson and his wife, uh, <coughs> his um, partner Kelly, uh, had a baby Sophia in August last year. Um, obviously, he um, was traded to Port in October, and they so they moved to Port Adelaide in uh, around October, and then um, you know Kelly, they, it was, she was having some. I think he it mentions in the article uh, she was on the toilet a lot, to, you know, <laughs> um, and there was some you know half jokes from Finlayson like maybe she get that checked out you know and they they do and she realized she's um uh got bowel cancer um it was um a tennis ball size cancer was found in Kelly's colon um and it was at the point that it could not be removed by surgery it had spread um and uh it was it basically took um a shitload of chemotherapy and radiation to do it but it was a long journey and this was right as he'd just moved to Port Adelaide so None of us knew about this. Um, we've just found out as an article by Mark Robinson in the Herald Sun that um, they've, they've spoken to him about it. Um, it's unreal to think this journey, and it's a hard article to read. I don't, I don't want to. I can basically there's a lot of um, you know Finlayson. Basically, they just suddenly they were they were just having to go into you know chemotherapy appointments and all that stuff, and Finlayson's driving it down to Flinders Medical Center and they drive into Port Adelaide for. Um, training and you know he's trying to stay strong for her at home and and obviously take care of little baby Sophia as well. Um, so she's trying. So he's kind of being strong for her, but then he's he apparently you know he says in the he was he was getting to the club and breaking down crying at the club because he needed his moment to cry because he'd you know he'd heard Kelly crying all night and and just in pain and and all that stuff that that comes with it. And she was struggling with the fact that she was a mother. You know she was a new mother. And she was so so weak and fatigued and in pain from the cancer treatment that she couldn't take care of the baby in the way that she thought she needed to. Of course, she was doing everything she could. Um, she was going through a fucking cancer battle. She should obviously never have to apologize for what she couldn't physically possibly do. But you know, that's what you know. Being a new mother, and not that I understand it as a person, like in in deep. But I have you know, you read and I, I have empathy with the the issues that um, being a new mother and all those mental things that can ha- can come with that and add in fucking cancer treatment to try and save your life um add that into it so he's trying to stay strong for her at home he's coming into the club this new club he doesn't know many people around there and it's he says in the article the club were great they understood they helped out and obviously he's, he said he says leon cameron and co from gws who reached knew about it and were reaching out to see how he was going as well but he was you know breaking out in tears at the club when he had his moment to be able to actually break down um and it's 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 unbelievable so this is the journey, Jeremy Finlayson. We, um, you know, and this is this is a story that they they talk about. Like the doctors are saying, we will try to cure you. We will do what we can. But there was every chance. There was obviously every chance that she could survive, and she has. Um, and she's um, she's still battling with it too. She's still there's still surgeries ahead and um, chemotherapy. The the tumor I think has disappeared. So she's gotten through. It, and I think at this step, but there's still a battle ahead to um, make sure she's properly healthy and cured um but this is the journey he's had for the first six months of his Port Adelaide career he's had to fight for his wife's life while trying to start his career at Port Adelaide his wife and he's 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 had to support his wife fighting for life becoming and being a new father and all these things wow I obviously if he you know, this first couple, of, I think, uh, I think it, he mentions he did, wasn't even sure if he, he doesn't even know how he played round one because it was still at that point, I think, um, things were still kind of, 
it was just trying to figure, you know, it just he'd gone through such a whirlwind first few months and, you know, and to think that he's played around, you know, he got dropped and kicked six goals in the sandfall and then obviously he's come back and been... Anyway, he started looking um, more at home and happy and you know, I thought that, I just put that down to purely just getting more used to the system at Port Adelaide. I had no idea he'd been battling with such a personal um, life crisis where the love of your life is battling for a very existence and uh, it does put things into perspective for you we take footy seriously and i, I don't apologize for taking footy seriously because it is something that has helped me get through tough times you know we all have our things that help us get through tough times and she, uh, kelly even mentioned she she says she doesn't know she doesn't think you know she thinks jeremy would have lost his mind if um if he'd d- hadn't didn't have footy because it was that was the thing that kept it kind of gave him an escape and, and obviously he went to the club to you know break down at times but he also was able to do play footy and, and just have those moments of playing footy or training or whatever. So it's, um yeah, it's an unbelievable story. I'd highly recommend you search it out. I, I, I'm trying to talk. I couldn't, I could just read the article verbatim and it would just not, you, you, um, it should be read and consumed by yourself and, and taken into and, and let you um, understand the story, I guess, and, and get your own, uh, you know, emotional, emotional impact from it and, and just take take from it that uh, you know we we never know what's going on in the background of some of these guys' lives, and um, he, they even mention it's only a short. There's a little bit of a mention of people having a crack at him over the fence and a couple of DMs um, about his performances in those early weeks, which is just not on. Um, um, but it's a, it's just a timely reminder as as to what some things can be going through and um, just how tough of a man. Um, you know, Finlayson is, and an even more tougher of a woman. His his wonderful partner Kelly is, because um, what a to battle that, um, and come through talking the way they do and such. They they talk so openly and candidly and and bravely in this article about all the things they were going through and and the emotional, obviously the physical impacts, but the emotional impacts of it were the main the main things. And um, yeah, it's just such a incredible story. Uh, incredible. I, I the battle with trying to find the right. A way to describe it because it's incredible might but it is incredible it's an incredible thing to survive something like this um and um an incredible incredible thing to you know there's different types of bravery obviously the bravery to battle it yourself when you're the one that's actually battling it is is a level of bravery unlike any other but then to um you know there's a there's there's a thing that the partner you know partners go through a um a battle as well because you know they're, they're trying to battle with the the you know what can I do, you know, the helplessness and then trying to do the right things and then and, and this staying emotionally strong for your partner and trying to be like everything's okay, everything's okay, even though in within yourself there probably there there's doubts and, you know, Kelly mentions the doubts about whether she'd live and, and Jeremy mentions his doubts about his fears of is is this is the mother of my child is the love of my life going to die? You know, that kind of that kind of mental realization and and cr- trying to compartmentalize that is just so so difficult and um yeah i've i i can't respect um he, i have the utmost respect for just how well he's been just purely as a player he's been coming along incredibly well but to uh to have started his port adelaide career um playing the way he and to coming into the form he has been with that like i if i if he had suddenly just taken six weeks off We'd all gone, oh, for personal reasons. We'd all gone, oh, okay, whatever. And then the story would have come out and we'd gone, 
we completely understand. He's gone through all this, and he's and footy, I guess, has maybe been his escape. And Kelly mentions it again. I, I mentioned that before, but you know, I there's no, there's nothing he could have done that I would have not understood if he wanted to take a year off footy after we traded for him, and then we'd and this was the reason it would have been like, yeah, that's fuck yeah, do what you do, got to do for your people. The fact he's also played. Either way, I would have absolute utmost respect for him it would whatever way he would have wanted to handle it but the fact that um i am just impressed with how the strength of that person to be playing footy still after going through all that and and to have kept that so um you know to be battling with that under you know they've come out with the story now but to battle through life with that going on and yeah that's um yeah it's i just have to raise a raise a glass to um, first to Kelly, she, she's the one fucking battling the thing, and but but to Jeremy as well. Obviously, as a support Adelaide podcast, we're talking about a player, um, you know, for what he's been going through, um, and I'm just proud that he's he's at our club. Is he, you know, it's early in his career, and he seems and he's obviously obviously just on the field. Um, we're seeing the results lately of what he can be in our forward line, but just as a person and um, a, and a, the family themselves to have them at Port Adelaide. Um, is a wonderful thing. So long, long may the recovery continue for Kelly and a, lo- a long life of pleasure and happiness ahead for Jeremy and Kelly and Sophia and um, whoever else may join the family in the future. But, um, you know, just an incredible story and I, I absolutely recommend you seek it out and um, give it a read yourself and just um, take in the magnitude of what they've gone through and, and appreciate life in that sense as well. So, yeah, um, that's about it. I know it ended that on a... A note that was um, a little bit more emotional than usual, but uh, yeah, it's just something that I've, I've it's come out in the last couple of days. So I wanted to bring the attention to that um, as a as as something that um, should be known by the the Port Adelaide family and everyone around. So yeah, but um, yeah, good win, fucking good win. All's gravy in Port Adelaide world, and um, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of days. We'll uh, preview the big match against a pretty big match coming up against the Cats down at. Down at the Cattery in Geelong, and um, yeah, until then, um, yeah, come the pair.